hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the American Football Cast. I'm Andrew and I'll be your host this time round. Uh, and today we are going to have a bit of a recap on the draft. We'll chat through some of the highlights, we'll chat through what we said in our mock draft and which of the three of us was our winner. Uh, joining me today as usual, we've got Gav. Hello Gav. Hello Andrew. How are you? How's things? Oh, super busy. Uh, unbelievably busy. Um, so what have you been up to? Uh, well today I was at Murrayfield, which was, was a great insight. Um, this was to do with actual football though, so Murrayfield have put in a bid to be the home of the Scotland national team, so um, I was there along with a lot of other press and journalists today, which is a little bit surreal, um, considering I'm just a, as I put it in the meeting, I'm just a dick with a Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> so they're all they're all uh, introducing themselves as, oh, I'm so-and-so from the Daily Record, or I'm so-and-so from B- uh, BBC Sport, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm Gav from Twitter. Um, so... <laughs> So yeah, um, that's amazing. It was, a, it was honestly like, like when they gave me my media pass and everything today. I was like, I actually felt like a kid, and um, I was like, oh my god, I, like I just like that all access pass. I was like, I shouldn't have this. Um, so yeah, I've been really busy. I've been doing loads of different stuff, um, and obviously just the. Usual yeah, we're we're fan. officially big time now. We're a journalist in the show, eh? I know. I know. Yeah, we get to ex- extend our reach. We've got a proper bona fide journalist now. I know. I, I swear, like I was sitting at one point, I was sitting next to. Um, I know this is an American football, so I'm not going to talk about too much football. But I was sitting next to Barry Ferguson at one point, and I was just like, <laughs> "So I, I'm a Rangers fan, unfortunately for me." But sitting next to the guy that like I idolised growing up, and like pretending that I was him when I was running about kicking a ball, and I'm sitting next to him. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I like I had to. That's pretty I had to, cool. I had to fight so hard to not be a fanboy and be like, can I have a picture with you? But I managed to resist. But anyway, I've gone on for too long. So, uh, Andrew, I'm doing good. I'm just super, super busy. And as usual, we also have Steve with us. Steve, what's your thoughts uh, on is, the Browns at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we, we're not doing a segment on who had the worst draft, are we? Because if we're doing who's the worst draft, it could well be the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I'm alright, man, I'm alright, yeah. Uh, Do you know what the again, Browns... kind of like Gav, super busy, not as exciting a time as what he had though, but... I was just going to say, Steve, the Browns might have had a poor draft considering their picks, etc., but they still have Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Three who minutes won, in, who won, there it is, who, mention yeah. one. <laughs> who won the Browns draft? It is Tyrod, that's who won it. <laughs> exactly. That's actually a valid, no, valid yeah, point. Yeah, I, I was pooping <laughs> on the Browns. It might not be as bad as it's turned out, but just with all the pre-draft hype and what they could have done, I felt day one was a little bit of a damp squib for them. Um, but they do have some other pieces as well, um, you know, throughout the other rounds. But we'll see how it pans out. I mean, they, 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 they won a lot of free agency. They got a lot of good pieces, but yeah. So we'll talk about exactly what they did in the first round in a bit more detail um, coming up. We're going to kick it off. So I think what we'd like to hear, or what I hope you guys would like to hear, is um, the draft from a fan's perspective. So, Gav, we all know that you're a Redskins fan. Mm -hmm. What did you take from their draft? I was actually, um, the last few drafts the Redskins have done, we we seem to not be a very flashy um, sort of, style we seem to you know be very like um six or seven out of ten on paper but we tend to get pretty good value from our picks um i like that we in the first round addressed um our defensive line um i think that was a really a really that was something we had to do um we're in a league with uh, sorry in a division with zeke elliott um jay and now saquon barkley so you know there's absolutely no way that we, we didn't have to address that. So for us to pick up um, Deron Payne um, from Alabama um, was, was really good. Um, he's also a teammate of our other um, first-round pick from last year, Jonathan Allen. So they both played together at Alabama. Unfortunately, Allen just had bad luck with injuries last year. So I'm actually quite excited because I'm I'm guessing that those two will know each other's games because they're both playing the defensive line. So in Alabama, historically, have had you know some of the best defensive players. 
Um, so yeah, that was really good. And uh, Darius Geist, I was I was absolutely delighted when we got him. Um, a lot of people had him being like the second best running back in the in the draft. Um, so for us to ha- to get him in the second round, and I think he went like I think he was like the seventh running back to go. And apparently, it's because. Uh, nothing to do with his playing stuff or any, anything like that. It's apparently he interviewed awfully, like really, really badly um, with all the teams he went to see. So um, from what I was reading, he's a total prima donna, um, needs a lot of like um, work in terms of just his attitude. But it's nothing to do with like the usual like alcohol or drugs or like, um, you know, even like like crime or whatever. It's just he's an, he's very, very high maintenance. Um so, effectively, in round round two, we got um, a, a really good running back that just has the attitude of a bird. Um, but um, <laughs> um, is that? I don't know if that should be edited out or not. There goes another few listeners. Oh, we're doing well at this. Um, oh, we're just going for straight out misogyny now. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, <laughs> in my head, I just imagine him being a running back, but a running back wearing high heels. Um, that's <laughs> um, so yeah, I can ask Zeke to borrow his crop top exactly. just across the division. Exactly, um, but yeah, like from what what I've read, it's a really good value pick, and that's something that they always talk about in the draft, making sure that you get value from your picks and to get who someone that was considered a first round talent. Um, late in the second, I'll take that all day long, and we we desperately need a, a like a, a power horse running back, and he's been compared to Marshawn Lynch, which is obviously a big comparison, but he's someone that would rather run through someone than try and jump back or like scatter back style side to side, and we've already got Chris Thompson that can do all that stuff anyway, so I'm really happy with that. And just one other thing that I really liked, and this is something that I didn't know until about um, maybe. 10 minutes ago, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so our ve- we had the very last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, and we picked up <laughs> Trey Quinn um, from SMU. So this is the stats, which I'm just going to read out to you now. Trey Quinn in 2017 had 114 catches for 1,236 yards and 13 touchdowns. Pretty good production in my eyes for a seventh round pick, your very last pick. To put this in comparison... Um, Trey Quinn's uh, teammate Cortland Sutton uh, I can't remember who he went to off the top of my head but he was someone that yeah, it was uh, Denver round 2 Denver round 2 So uh, and a lot of people had Sutton being a round 1 talent as well but to put this into yeah. comparison Trey Quinn who was the 7th round versus Cortland Sutton who was the 2nd round same team Sutton had 1,085 yards and 10 touchdowns so we got a guy in the 7th round that had more yards and more touchdowns than the guy that went in the second round. I'll take that all day long. So yeah, I think overall yeah, from the Redskins... That might turn out alright for you. Yeah, that's what they were saying. A lot of people are comparing him to Wes Welker, is how he's been described. So, um, And obviously at one point he had he was really good. So um, yeah, I'm really happy with the Redskins draft. We picked up a couple other guys that I don't know a whole lot about, but it seems like we addressed all our needs. So yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. Good. More confident going into this year on the back of the draft than Absolutely before you not. were now. Absolutely not. We're still, <laughs> we're still. Um, you got a rubbish division, haven't you? It's going to be pretty tough. Like, I think if we were in almost any other division, we would have a good chance. But the Eagles just look so good just now. Um, the Cowboys, they've they've got Zeke who can get them out of just about any hole. Um, the Giants obviously picking up Saquon Barkley, who's you know a generation running back they said and with our issue being that we can't stop the run I'm still not very confident but I am happy with the way that we've drafted but yeah just obviously we're in a really tough division just now yeah okay okay Andrew, so um sorry I was just gonna say Andrew um what about um the Cardinals what did you think being our Cardinals yeah so I <laughs> I don't think there will be any Cardinal fan any of the, anywhere that isn't delighted with how that draft went. Um, first up to 
move up the five spaces to get Rosen and not mortgage the future, as they like to say. Um, didn't give up a huge amount to move up. And we've got a quarterback. They reckon he's the best pocket passer of the, the four that were there. Um, and that that's already the type of quarterback that the Cardinals are used to having. Um, so I think he'll he'll fit in nicely. Uh, behind Bradford when he gets injured in week three. Um, and then you've got uh, Christian Kirk at wide receiver. Again, uh, it was an obvious need. A couple of picks on the, the offensive line and another cornerback as well. So yeah, I think all the all the needs that were there have been addressed um, and I can't wait to see how they go. Do you think that the Cardinals are in a better position after the draft? Uh, definitely in a better position, uh, but much like the Redskins, we've got a nightmare division. So the Rams are going to steamroll the division, I think, um, regardless of what happens. Uh, the 49ers will probably finish second and make the playoffs, leaving the Cardinals and the Seahawks to fight it out at the bottom. Um, but I think that before the draft, I was convinced we would be fourth whereas we might now fight for third yeah I think I think that picking up Josh Rosen as you mentioned was a, a really good good move um, I was surprised that he was still there to be honest but um, I thought that someone else might have once you know Alan went at seven I thought there would have been a mad scramble to then go and get Rosen so I think for him to be still there was was really good Um and I think you, I, as I've mentioned, I'm going to say it again. I think I'm being consistent, but Sam Bradford's made of chocolate, so I'm very confident <laughs> that um, Josh Rosen will play over five games this this season. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I don't think that. Yeah, I think uh, Bradford could be injured in the first three or four weeks and then Rosen will take it from there and hopefully he'll be the starting quarterback for the next 15 years. Is that the first three or four weeks of pre-season? <laughs> <laughs> if they've got any sense they're not rolling him out in pre-season, they're going to wrap him in cotton wool and just wait until game one. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, would, you would hope that is how they would approach it. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Steve, I know obviously, you, so you're one of these weird people that supports everyone. Um, so Aye, loads of teams, yeah. Um, or no teams, depends on, depends on your viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, so we've obviously picked our teams. Who are you going to talk about? Uh, well, I, I'm going to interject. I'm going to take us just two minutes off topic. I don't know if anyone's just seen the highlight that's come through on uh, the app from the yeah, NFL app. Yeah, just seen it. Breaking news. Somebody, somebody, a certain Mr. Matt Ryan has just removed the goalpost yet again. Five-year, $150 million contract extension for the $100 million in guarantees. Wow. That is the first guaranteed $100 million contract ever. That is mental. Utterly mental. Uh, that's totally thrown me off uh, off my game as well. So I'm going to put the phone away now and concentrate for the rest of today. <laughs> uh, okay, so team-wise, um, well, I'm going to keep one in my back pocket for later because we're going to do draft, who we think our draft winners were earlier on. But what I'm going to pick team-wise is who would have been third on my list, and that is the Broncos. Um, now, thinking about this, I was a bit... A lot of pre, a lot of draft pre-draft hype was that they, you know, even though they've got Case Keenum in, they might... It is Case Keenum, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, just ah, yeah. Um, they might um, have still taken a quarterback at five anyway. You know, somebody to sit behind him and develop and whatnot. Elway clearly has decided to go all in, which is really good. Um, well, it kind of helps, you know, Keenum's um, stability and whatnot as well. So Doesn't have that they didn't, hanging over They didn't him. pick the quarterback at... Um, five, but they had Bradley Chubb sitting there because interestingly Cleveland didn't take him at four, which is what I hummed and hawed about. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so they they took Chubb, who could easily be first or second off the board depending on needs or whatnot in terms of talent wise. You know, that's maybe a teeny bit of a fall for him. Um, so that's a great move for them. They obviously then picked up Sutton in round two, which I know you kind of counter argued um, with your stats wise with Mister Irrelevant. Um, but in terms of his overall career, 
you know, I mean, he was meant to be a first round talent. He obviously then went to the second round, so has the ability to to help out there. But also, they then picked up a running back in the third round, uh, Freeman who with cg anderson gone he's pretty much going to be the guy as well so they put a couple of nice pieces around um keenum to help him out as well so i think from i think they actually had a fairly decent draft yeah i think so i think um obviously they were they were a team that was in a sort of real they're in real limbo so i think that you're right picking up bradley chubb was a really good move for them and, and you know what it makes a lot of sense actually when you think about it um Denver were their best when they had that really strong defense, so it helps them get back to that sort of space. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right, yeah, that's that's all interesting stuff. Uh, what we'll move into now is uh, we're going to talk through the highlights of round one. So the only place to start in the highlights of round one is right at the top. So the Browns took Baker Mayfield at one. Um not a lot of people seem to call it. The mock drafts didn't seem to have Baker Mayfield as one. But as the whole build-up to the draft went, his reputation seemed to get stronger and stronger and he slowly climbed. I think round about late February, he was still marked as the fourth quarterback off the board. Um, but he just seemed to steadily climb through them and obviously ended up as that number one pick. What do we think? Do we think this is a, a great move for the Browns? We think it's... It could go either way. I I don't know. Steve, you're a resident Browns fan. Yeah, <laughs> I was just waiting to see if you were going to jump in there first. Uh, okay, so I obviously champed him for going to the Jets when uh, we did our mock draft last week, based on um, the college career that he had produced. In fact, he was super accurate and things like that. Um, so from albeit it was, it seemed for a lot of people a bit of a left field pick. You can kind of understand why Cleveland have gone for him. Um, John Dorsey's obviously sat there and statistically gone, you know, based on, on the numbers, this is the guy. He is the one that, um, uh, you know, he's got the best passer rating, he's got the best um, accuracy, so do you know what, I'm going to take him because he, he, he's my best chance of winning games. Um, so does he have the highest ceiling out of the quarterbacks? Probably not. If they're stuck with Tyrod anyway, for you can you can set them for a year behind Ooh, Tyrod. Stuck with Tyrod. Stuck. <laughs> Gav, what have you got to say about that? Gavin Miller has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Let me let me reword that. <laughs> uh, if they have Tyrod for a year anyway to help them get some wins. Um, but they can sit Baker behind him just to help learn and develop him a bit more. Uh, that's maybe a good thing for him as well. Um, he doesn't have... Yeah, he's the number one pick, and a lot of people will probably think he might have to start week one, but I don't think he has to. I think they could be really sensible with this and, and stick him behind Tyrod for the good chunk of the first year. I mean, unless it, through unfortunate circumstances, if they're sitting there at, you know, 0-4, 0-5 again, well, there's probably no no option but to chuck him in. Um, but if they get a, a win or two out of the first few games, you can keep him back and then put him in towards the end of the season to give him a bit of experience, ready to take on 2019. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think you're spot on with a lot of things you said there. I actually, moving my Tyrod fanboy away from a wee bit, um, I actually think the best thing the Browns could do would be to almost sit him for the full year regardless and the reason behind that is um just give him um like take all this the spotlight off him take all the, the hype away from him, take all the pressure away from him and you know what if the season's flaming out and then you chuck him in it just you know it, it doesn't make sense like for example if you look at jared goff when the rams chucked in jared goff in year one he looked so lost he looked um just all over the place. And then year two, once he'd obviously learned more and had time to fully understand it, he came back and was one of the best in the league. And I think that the Browns, who have, you know, because they've picked a quarterback and the first pick overall, they are going to have everybody watching them and watching how he does, which is unnecessary pressure. And I know he, he's apparently a very confident guy, um, so he'll believe in himself, but 
he can't affect everything that goes on round about him. Um, like he can't control how how the defense plays because that's still an issue for the Browns. Um, but yeah, the one the one other thing I'm just going to say about Baker Mayfield is, I think that learning from Tyrod Taylor um, is actually quite a good thing. Not he's obviously there's better quarterbacks out there you could learn from, but in terms of his playing style, I think Mayfield and Taylor have got some similarities in terms of like. They're more mobile than people give them credit for. Um, both, you know, are, are good playing, um, you know, sort of scramble plays as well. So I think it'll be good for Mayfield to just not have that sort of pressure and, and learn from someone like that. And someone who's also, like, remember, Taylor was pretty much treated like crap at the Bills. So um, I think that, you know, Mayfield could learn from quite a lot from Taylor in that sense as well. Because if, Bear in mind, if, if Mayfield goes in and the Browns still keep losing, people are going to say, is that another bust? Yeah, and they will. They will. They'll jump on it straight away. Um, I think the a big part of, of why the Browns have taken him is his character as well. They, it does seem to be the popular opinion that he is a good leader. Um, and I think the Browns are a franchise that needs someone who is able to come in, lead that team, and carry the weight of the franchise on his shoulders um, and I think they've probably gone with the character that they think can do that. He's maybe not the technically the best that was there but they might they must think he's the guy that can come in and just carry that weight and take them somewhere. Yeah, I think you're spot on, mate. And so, Gav, you, uh, unlike the the other two of us here, you stayed up all night and watched the whole thing because you're crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was what other picks stood out to you as you were watching it live? Um, you know, I I think I put in the group chat after it after I watched it. It almost felt a little bit like the first round was really weird, especially after the sort of pick ten after Josh Rosen when it was just really. Like, none of the picks were how I sort of anticipated. There was a lot of, like, surprise picks. Um, for example, I think one of the ones that I mentioned in the group chat was the pick the Steelers made. Um, the guy had, like, a third or fourth round um, grade, and he went in the first, and everyone was like, what the hell? Um, so it was definitely a sort of weird a weird one. But some of the moves that I really liked, um, as you know from when we spoke before, I was a big fan of Josh Allen. Um like, really liked him, uh, and I like the fit at the Bills. Um, I think that organisation's a seems to be going in the right direction, um, and I think he'll get time to develop there. Um, so that was a really good move. Um, the Forty Niners taking Mike McGlinchey, um, protecting um, Jimmy Jimmy G for the next while was really good. The Colts picking up Quentin Nelson, which was really good. Um, um. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it just lacked that sort of big. After the quarterbacks went, it just sort of felt a bit like you know all the big fireworks were done, and it was just damp squibs that were left. Um. So yeah, <laughs> which is a shame, really, because a lot of these kids are going to come out and absolutely ball, and they're going to be brilliant players a few years from now. And we'll we'll, we'll possibly look back and go, ah, okay, we maybe didn't give them enough credit, but it was all about the quarterbacks this year, and it's all everyone talked about leading up to it. And you're almost right, because I've I've, I've watched some of it. I've only got as far as pick 12, um, and it's like all the quarterbacks are off the board now, and I kind of know what you're feeling. I haven't watched the rest of it yet, but I'm I'm thinking the rest of this, well, I mean, because I kind of know what happened, because I didn't watch it live as such, but... I get a feeling it's just going to kind of go through the motion now. It's not going to be yeah. uber exciting or anything. Um, yeah. So I love uh, Vita Vea. God, did you see that boy's smile coming out? And, he's, uh, the, and, he, and his outfit he was wearing as well. Did you see his interview with Dion Sanders afterwards? He says, go and, go and uh, pronounce your name. And we got the full version of his name. Yeah, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. That was absolutely so good. mental. He's got about what eight parts to his name or something. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Just like him, he's an absolute mountain. Um, oh my god, yeah. I was so gutted because obviously um, he went pick twelve. Redskins had thirteen. I was thinking, oh my yeah. god, he, if he was on the board, you you nearly got. He was going. Yeah. yeah, he was definitely going to. He's he's he went to Washington at college, 
Um, so he was absolutely going to the Redskins. So when he oh, he, it would have been great. When so when he went at twelve, that for me was like that was the most exciting part for me. And I sort of like I had a lot of obviously a buzz thinking, oh my god, you, you could fall to the Redskins. But then when he called out, I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but then, but, well, then a couple of picks later, then you had this crazy trade with the Saints jumping all the way up for Davenport. What are you thinking was, about that one? That was a weird one. I didn't understand that. I think there's a chance that he still could have been there, like without them having to move up, just based on what the other teams' needs were. Um, Certainly not as not as high as they needed to, and for what they gave up because they've given up, um, obviously swapping picks this year, something else this year, and the first round next year. Yeah, I mean, so Green Bay are laughing. Yeah, it was a great move for the Packers. Um, but like when you look at the rest of the the sort of the draft picks after it, like nobody else, like everyone was picking cornerbacks, offensive linemen. I do yeah, genuinely think they could just have... looking. Where were they before? They would have been at twenty seven. So potentially Dallas at nineteen might have sniped him. Um, if not that, really? Tennessee at twenty two possibly would have taken him. Um, but that's maybe the only two teams that I can see that they would yeah. have had an, a potential problem. Yep, that, um, that's so, yeah, what they I seem think. to give up an awful lot and moved up awful high to get him. So I think the, I don't know could, the thinking behind that. I think they probably could have went to the Bengals, maybe just ahead of the Titans, and probably got them there. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than going yeah, wouldn't have to give up anywhere near as much. Mm. Yep. So. That was a bit of a shock, and I get, I get that. Obviously, they're they must think that he's the guy they need for their defense, and their defense was pretty good last year as well. And so, obviously, they've yeah, they've exactly, that. yeah. So that's obviously a good yeah. thing, but it was just yeah, it just felt like what was going on there. That was really strange. And then, um, so when I was watching it live, um, one move I really liked was uh, Derwin James. I'm not sure how he managed to fall as as low as he did to the Chargers, but. Um, when I thought about it after, I was like, that's a really, really good move, considering all the way that um, he'd been spoken about, and um, and that was one of the Chargers' biggest weaknesses last year, so to get him picked up was great. Um, oh, they also, would be loving that one. Yeah, I mean, they must have been thinking, how the hell is he still available? Because, um, yeah, I mean, even like Minka Fitzpatrick went ahead of him to the Dolphins, which was a weird one, I thought. Um I didn't really understand that a whole lot. Um, like, not even just how Fitzpatrick went ahead of James, but how the Dolphins picked the safety. I felt like they had bigger needs. Um, and then we got to, like, pick... I think it was, like... In fact, yeah, the Cowboys. That was another surprising one. When they picked up a Leighton Vander Esch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just a really, really weird one. Um like, I didn't see that happen at all. Obviously, we spoke in our, our uh, mock draft about how they were definitely going to take a wide receiver, and I think a lot of other people had the same sort of thinking. Then he came mm. out, and he, again, it just felt like, is that you giving up too much? Because there were some people that didn't even have him going in the first round, so I don't know, mm, just that was yeah. a bit weird. Um, they didn't take a wide receiver till round three, did they, either? Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. Didn't didn't understand that. Um so I feel really sorry for Dak Prescott for next year. Um, I know they obviously have Zeke and they'll rely on him heavily, but I just feel like if you shut him down, do the Cowboys have anything else? And the Eagles obviously have one of the best defensive lines in it. The Redskins, we've improved ours. Um, the Giants, you know, their defense it had a bad year last year, but predominantly it's full of good players. Um, so yeah, I just feel like, what are the Cowboys doing? Um and they obviously also picked up a quarterback later on as well, which it was like the fourth round or whatever. Um, and there was some talk that I read that for whatever reason, the Cowboys just are not sold on Dak Prescott anymore. Um, I don't know if it's because he had a bad year or whatever and there was no real competition behind him. So that was a bit a bit strange. And then the only other things that was sort of weird for me was, I think it was, in fact, the next sort of four or five picks were just a bit meh. Like um, <laughs> the, uh, the, Ragnow to the Lions, yeah. Price to the Bengals. It was just, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It was just a bit like flat, um, and even it sort of felt that way when the like obviously the players were delighted coming out, but it just felt like even in the crowd, like some of the the, the fans that were there for these teams were a bit like, um, what the fuck's going on here? 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, about, was... what about Ridley falling to the Falcons? Is that a is that a bit of a surprise? Do we think? Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, I thought he was going to the definitely going to be. I think I I gave him to the Redskins in our mock draft. So, um, and I thought if the Redskins didn't take a wide receiver, the Cowboys were going to take him. Um, and then if the Cowboys didn't take him, I thought the Panthers were going to take him, and he fell again. So it was definitely a, a weird one for me. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I can only echo that. It was a bit of a, a strange one. Um, I'll just go back to one of your other picks from earlier of sort of weird, um, but gave us quite a, a nice story. And when the Steelers did take Terrell Edmonds, um, it meant that he and his brother Tremaine obviously were both picked in the first round. So it's the, the first pair of brothers that have ever been picked um, together in the, the first round of a draft, which I, th- I thought that's a nice little story there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's obviously pretty cool, but yeah, it was definitely a weird one um, in terms of him sort of going as high as he did. I think again, like it, it just seems like overall this draft after the top ten, everyone in this, this draft was a bit like sort of head scratching um, all the way through. Yeah, um, you could also argue that the other Edmonds brother went too low. You know, the fact that he managed to fall all the way to 16. But again, it was kind of what we were talking about earlier with people jumping up and taking players that you wouldn't expected, which then you have that cavalcade effect where other people then fall down. And then Edmonds was sitting there at 16 and Buffalo decided to pull the gun and move up again, you know, moving up twice in the first round and getting arguably two of the top 10 players. So they, they've done rather well. Yeah, I think the Bills have definitely done well. Um, the only other one that I, I'm get, I think... I think we'll maybe touch on this a little bit later, but um, what do we think about uh, Lamar Jackson? I'm not sure. <laughs> is, the, is, the, is really kind of a bit of a summary on that. Um, I don't know much about him. I suppose he's probably fallen from where people thought he would go. But interestingly, actually people had him going to the Ravens around about 16 anyway. So maybe from, from like Aussie Newsom's point of view, you're probably like, God, this is a genius move. You've managed to move back a couple of times, still snag who you were going to anyway. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose there is the question about whether Flacco is, is going to be there anymore. I, he's going to have to have an absolute balls-out year, I think, for Baltimore to re-up him. Otherwise, i got a funny feeling they're just going to, cut ties and say thanks for thanks for your services so far and move on so getting Lamar in there now you've got that that player to fall back on stylistically though is totally different so if they're going to go with it they're going to have to slowly shape the squad through this season and gear up for a big off season next year to shape the team around what he can do and the style that he can play because it is polar opposite to what they are doing just now yeah I mean you're absolutely spot on mate um I um I actually like part of me when I was watching it I was feeling really really actually sad for Lamar Jackson because he was obviously invited to the green room and then there was like no chatter of him like there was no whispers of anyone trading up for him it was like he was going to fall and he would have been the only person left in the green room and I was a bit like jeez um so that would have been pretty crap um so I was glad that he went uh, in terms of the pick, uh, I think I mentioned before, it was, there was something like only two running backs um, have had more rushing yards than him in the last like five years or whatever it was, the crazy stat. So he's obviously got a lot of talent. Um, and you're right, they do need to sort of stylistically change. Um, and I think I put in the group chat that uh, some of the, the Ravens' offensive coaching staff has changed and they've brought in um, the guy that was Kaepernick's coach when he was doing really well. Changed coordinators to Greg Roman, who was doing really well with um, Tyro Taylor. Um, so they've they've obviously had this sort of plan, and it obviously these sort of moves, like coaching moves, aren't overly highlighted. But actually, now that you put those sort of pieces together, it makes sense that that's what they want to do. Um, but they do need to make sure that you know. I would I would imagine in the next couple of drafts they're going to really beef up their offensive line, maybe pick a you know a solid running back. Um, to really build that team around Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting move. Um, I think just as you say, the, the whole change in in how their offense plays, uh, it'll be really interesting to watch. Um, as and when 
he does eventually replace Flacco. It'll be interesting to see actually how long that takes. Will, will Flacco still be there in a couple of years' time or not? Um, I actually think so, yeah, well, he's only got one season max, Flacco. You think? If he has a bad year, I don't think he he plays again or starts again. Sorry, for the Ravens anyway. Steve, what do you Jake think? Yeah, he ends up yeah. coming a backup. Jiggy ends up becoming a backup for for another team, just or do you think he'll still get actually a starting gig? I mean, the only sort of thing that I can think of is like I wouldn't be surprised if you know you know how the way like Josh McCowan sort of floated about forever. If Joe Flacco does that, ah yeah yeah, and just sort of floats about from different team to team and is is always just the one year bridge quarterback until they get um, someone else. So like the guy the, they actually want, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. So, <laughs> For example, if you look at um, the Dolphins, I think this is Ryan Tannehill coming into the last year of his contract, I think. Um, so if it they is, de- yep. So if they then decide, you know what, he we don't want Tannehill anymore, he's too injury prone, I could I wouldn't be surprised if Flack wins up their bridge quarterback. Um, mm, for a season or two, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. yeah just yeah. that sort of, that sort of, not necessarily that specifically, but just that sort of style where he's just there for a year, disappear, there for a year, disappear. Um, and is like Josh McCown, he's probably a, a good player, but he's just never going to be the guy. Yeah. How about how about Brady retires and Flacco goes up there to help out New England for a couple of years? <laughs> Donny Taylor has left. No, the no, that's chat. a serious. That's a serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was putting that out as a serious one because obviously the interestingly the Patriots um, didn't pick up a quarterback until round seven. They didn't go all in on someone in the first couple of rounds that you would have thought prior to the draft. So I, what are they going to do? Yeah, it makes sense. The one thing I actually think about the Patriots, and this is maybe a little bit off topic, I am going to put it out that I don't think they'll. When Brady goes, I don't think they'll pick a QB in round one. I think they'll play it more strategic and and um, try and because imagine the pressure that a, a rookie quarterback is going to have being the guy to replace Tom Brady. <laughs> I just don't think that they're. Like regardless of how good an individual is, I just don't think they would do that. I think they're more likely to nurture someone behind them, someone that they've picked in like the third or fourth round, and and do it that way. Like they sort of done with Gar- or they could have done with Garoppolo or Brissett or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the way I think they'll go. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually if they they actually did that sort of thing, and then hopefully they become the Browns and never get good again. <laughs> in an ideal world in an ideal world that's what happens <laughs> it's all about parity eh? I hope so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I think that's has, has covered the bulk of round one or certainly the, the more interesting parts of it so going down through the rounds um, there was a few uh, notable parts Steve I think you'd, you'd wanted to speak a bit about Justin Reed who eventually went to the Texans in round three. I mean, in our mock draft, you had him going to the Vikings in round one. Um, so what did you make of him falling that far? Yeah, no, I think that was a very big fall for him. I mean, it's probably just a combination of things about, you know, the, the positions in need and who's picking where. And I mean, I suppose to a lesser extent, looking at the free agency market, how depressed the safety market is, you've got Kenny Vaccaro, um, Eric Reed, his brother, neither have obviously been picked up. Um, and somebody else, there's another safety out in the free market. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, um, uh, oh. You know, three people that should have gone to teams, you would have thought, um, and neither have been picked up. So it's obviously not a huge position of need for a lot of teams, which probably explains why he fell as much as he did. Um, however, he was touted as a, a sort of, you know, very low end um, round one, top of round two. And the fact that he fell to the Texans in round three, they must be loving the fact that they've got someone of his quality in with their first pick. Because that was obviously, they had no pick in, in rounds one or two following, um, you know, the, the trades and what they had to give away for. Not that they're complaining because, you know, they've got Watson. Um, and I'm sure they would do it all over again based on how things are panning out so far. But the fact they ended up still getting, potentially, a first-round pick in the third round is pretty good for them as well. I think they I think they really, really got lucky with that one. They're looking strong at that position as well, obviously having picked up the Honey Badger in free agency. Yeah, that's that's another really good point there, Andrew. Um, they've, went, they've majorly improved their weakest position. And I... 
I think that they next year could be a, a Super Bowl team if Watson's healthy and Watson's the way he was playing. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, actually, yeah, that's not as, that's not as silly a thought as a, yeah. But you know, what, it's still it's still a lot would need to happen, obviously. But when you think of it, the Watson was out, JJ Watt was out. Imagine if they get Watt. Uh, Whitney Merciless, I think, was injured yeah, as well. Yeah. Was he not? That, yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. So you know they they didn't get well. Will Fuller until halfway through the season and he made some impact when he came in um, so yeah imagine Hopkins, Fuller um, Lamar Miller um, Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt Clowney, uh, the Honey Badger mm-hmm. um, and Reed all playing at the top of their game, that could be a, a sneaky thing. And I'm, I'm sure they also picked up some O-line help as well at the bottom around three if I remember rightly so um which is obviously that I would say they're they're in Vertacoma's weakest area, so they need some help on that. So they've got a bit more strength in there to help keep uh, Watson up, which is going to help all the other parts click. Yeah, you're, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on, mate. Um, that probably is their only only real area uh, that they need to develop. Everything else is pretty strong. Um, what about so um, one other team that I think? What about? Um, the Steelers picking up Mason Rudolph. Has anyone got any thoughts on that? Well, it's it's obviously a thought that they it's something they need to think about in the fairly short term future. Obviously, Big Ben had his issues last year. Um, he doesn't know if he's still got it, as he said. Um, so yeah, obviously, quarterback was a a need that they that they had, and they've addressed that. Um, I don't know enough about Mason Rudolph to know if he is the answer, if he's going to be able to sit and then come in and perform, but that offense has got all the options, um, so if a rookie quarterback is going to succeed in an offense, you would think the Steelers offense is, is one that's built for someone to succeed in when you've got Antonio Brown and Lev Bell there. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know what, if Big Ben isn't as good as what he was, that guy is probably in the best position out of all the rookie QBs because they've got a good offensive line. They've got mm, probably the, arguably the best running back. It's a tough position, obviously, but you could definitely argue a case for him. Antonio yeah, Brown. there's a band of three or four running backs, and yeah, Lev Bell's obviously there or thereabout. Um, uh, Antonio Brown is the, the receiver in the league, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you know what, and and they seem like quite a stable organization. They don't seem to be through going any major flux. So you know what, if he was to go, that guy's probably in the best position out of all the guys that um, that got drafted in terms of the quarterback position. Anyway, yeah. One other cool thing I thought we could maybe talk about is Griffin to the Seahawks playing with his brother. You're way, way ahead of us, man. Calm oh, down. Sorry. <laughs> is, that, is that on the run? Or? We've got three things to discuss before then. Oh, did we? Nah, just go for it. We fallen. We, we, we skipped round two and went straight to round three anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, we had we'll nothing to discuss in round two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We had Dallas Godert going to the. Uh, oh, I totally forgot to about that. Eagles. Yeah, only for David Akers coming out and absolutely trolling the Cowboys <laughs> fan base. It was hilarious. I was just like, you are the guy. That is amazing. You've gone into Texas Stadium and you've just ripped them to pieces. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw... That. I've not seen the official sort of clip of the camera close on him, but I saw a fan clip and you just heard him absolutely ripping the piss out of them. And it was just the, the cacophony of booze from the fans was just fantastic. <laughs> Um, so back to Shaquem Griffin then, yeah. Yeah, I think that's obviously like one of the best stories of the of the draft, surely. Arguably the story of the draft. You've got a boy who's got a hand missing, and he is now <laughs> he is now with a, an NFL team. He has made. I mean, it's like some ridiculous like only two percent of kids that start playing in high school end up getting drafted let alone actually making teams. It's such a tiny percentage, and he's made it the whole way. Um, I did see his combine tape. I was It was one of the people I was lucky enough to... Because was, I watched bits of the combine, but not much of it. Um, but I happened to be watching when, when he was on the field. 
And uh, I think he caught every single pass that was thrown his way when he was doing the, the, the drills, catching out the back end and things like that. And I was kind of sitting there borderline amazed. That, like, how is this boy doing what he's doing? Um, but he's got all the pieces to succeed. He's obviously delighted where he's ended up because he's with his, he's with his brother. Um, the, I think the organisation's going to buy in. Um, the fan base are going to root for him. I think basically this boy, as long as he has a half-decent training camp, he's going to make the squad because I think the Seahawk organisation would be would be ludicrous to get rid of him because of the story and, and his capability yeah. and his oh, potential. From a, from a pure PR point of view, there is no way they could cut him. No way, um, but yeah, I, the I love that bit of the story that he's he's with his brother. So I read an article uh, prior to the combine about him, and I think he was he shared a room with his brother all the way up through college. Uh, so they they shared a room at home, they shared a room through college. Uh, his brother went off to and was drafted by the Seahawks, and that's the first time they'd been apart really as, as siblings. They'd been by each other's side for the, the whole time um, and for him to then be drafted by the same team um, I, I think it's just an amazing story um, and I, I kind of hate that, that it's an amazing story at the Seahawks because Seahawks <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, yeah you, you want it the, the story of those the brothers um, having come through this that having his, his hand amputated after the the birth defect and having it cut off at such a young age um, to, to come through and then to perform on the biggest stage with his brother. It's just, yeah, a magic story. One, one thing, just to echo what you were sort of speaking about there, Andrew, um, I'm sure I read an article as well where his brother said, you know, he wouldn't sign for any team throughout college and he had loads of offers to go to better schools than what he went to. But he wouldn't go unless the team that he signed for took his brother as well, and um, that basically this that I can't remember what the college was off the top of my head, but one of them was like, right, okay, we'll just do it so that we get this guy because he's way better than we could afford. But then they got his brother, and were like, hold on a minute, he's an actual player as well. So like they were like absolutely like buzzing that they'd got these two amazing players because his his brother was that sort of strong-willed and loyal to his own brother and I thought that's something you just don't hear and you don't see that he turned down better offers to make sure that he was looking after his brother which is is really really um, incredible. Yeah I think a bit I'm sure it was probably the same article I was reading but I'm I'm sure his brother I'm sure he said he'd felt guilty almost that obviously they're, they're twins and that it was his brother that had the the defect to his hand and not him and I, yeah the, that whole closeness uh, it is just a brilliant story it really is yeah I mean I I think that this there's when you get a little bit later into the draft there's another cool story which um I won't spend too much time on but um one of my favorite players in the NFL is the offensive lineman called Jack Conklin who is with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I don't know if you any of you guys remember the game last year where I think it was, I think it was someone from the Seahawks gave Mariota a, a cheap shot, and Conklin took his helmet off. I'm sure I put it in the group chat way back. Conklin took his helmet off and he went straight for like every single one of these these Seahawks players himself, um, and just that like, like I was so aggressive. Um, but anyway, um, his brother also got drafted and he went to the Vikings. He's a tight end and. Uh, so it's, it's another brother combination in the in the NFL. So that's that was pretty cool, um, and I, I hope that he's just as like crazy and as angry as his brother is. Because um, yeah, the Jack Conklin's amazing. If anyone hasn't seen him, go watch videos of him. He's he's definitely my favorite lineman. So else we got. Um, yeah. So I was having a look. Another another pick that I really liked. Um, I, not not for the person himself, and this is just I, just because I don't know about him. But when Harrison Phillips was selected by the Bills in round three, um, Andre Reid and Fred Jackson, who are like superstars of Bills years gone by, came out to make the pick, and uh, and they went and called up one of their super fans onto the stage to do the to do the pick for him, which he was totally unaware of. Um, so Pancho is it Pancho Bia? Pancho Bia. Yeah, yeah, Mexican-looking yeah, so. dude. Um, 
brilliant. Uh, he'd just been battling cancer as well, and he be you know he had his first round of chemotherapy uh, the few days prior to the draft, and he still went to the draft anyway. And uh, and Reed and, and um, Jackson called him up to to make the pick. That was a pretty cool thing to see as well. Yeah, I think it was brilliant thing as well. Yeah. Um, another one. How about uh, Morris Hurst falling all the way down to round five, following his uh, his potential heart scare? Um, Raiders yeah, picked so him up. Potentially the the best value pick of the draft because I think th- he was sort of slated to go in round one before he this was discovered, wasn't he? Uh, pre-draft, he was in. The, I'm convinced he was in the top ten. He was right up there. Yeah, I think you're right, Steve. Um, and then there was this potential heart problem that was it was um, uh, sorry uh, detected in the at the draft and and even then a lot of the mock drafts had him still going in the first round but maybe down round about you know maybe pick twenty to twenty five window um, there wasn't a huge amount of mock drafts that had him dropping out of the first round at all um, percentage you know I'd say what at least three quarters of them had him in possibly even higher than that. And then he, he fell out of day one. So then you were looking at who's best available picks on day two, and and all the articles were like, oh, he's he's in the top, you know, top three or four best available players, and he fell all the way out of day two as well, and into day three. And you're just thinking, when's this boy's fall going to stop? And eventually it was pick hundred and forty. Um, so the Raiders are obviously happy enough with with how his medicals checked out, and are going to and are going to take him. And if it works out for them, if he if this potential heart problem is manageable, um. Mike, you're absolutely right. I think this is an absolute steal. If you think about how how many pieces that defense has with sort of Mac and and whatnot, and you plug him in there as well, and if he is half the player that he should be, um, yeah, that just that bodes quite well. I think the rest of the Raiders draft I wasn't really hyped for. I I don't really know what Gruden's plan was. It was you know falling back, picking tackles, picking just really nothing nothing fancy at all it just seemed very bizarre almost but um i don't know you know maybe there's a grand plan there in a couple of years from now and i'll eat my words yeah the raiders were really weird i thought i thought like and even all the sort of analysts after it were giving them like one of the worst gradings at every team um just like the draft they made didn't make sense addressed positions that didn't overly need addressed um didn't replace um well, a lot of people had them picking up a wide receiver to uh, replace Crabtree. I know they picked up Jordan Nelson, but there's a lot of questions about his durability. So yeah, I think you're right. The Raiders were definitely a a, a disappointment in terms of the uh, excitement levels. Anyway. Yeah. So that's all. Yeah, I think that's our our take on the notable moments of the draft. Um, so I I think what I want us to do here is. Who do we think won the draft? Now, I'm going to start by kicking off myself, and I'm going to be completely biased, and I'm going to tell you that the Cardinals won the draft by taking Rosen in round one, uh, addressing a few key needs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think every need that, that needed address was addressed by the Cardinals. So, Steve, who won the draft for you? Okay, so, yeah, I had, uh, I, well, I had three I'd put in mind, obviously. I mentioned Denver earlier on as my, I sort of, I think, did third overall. Who I've put down for second is the Giants. I think they managed, they obviously got Barkley, which worked out quite well for them because Cleveland didn't take, and that which made their decision a lot more simpler about whether they were going to stick or move back or whatnot. But I think getting Hernandez in round two was, a, was another great move to help that. Plug him in at guard, helps replenish um, a, a bit of a depleted O-line. Um, picking up Hill as a defensive tackle in round three, and then probably more interestingly that Kyle Loletta as a developmental quarterback in the fourth. If you sit him behind Eli for a couple of years, does he then eventually take over? In retrospect, it could be a really good draft class for them. But my team that it's maybe a bit of an outlying pick, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stick with it in terms of quantity over potential quality, but you hope for both, and that's the Colts. Um, obviously, you end up getting Nelton at, at pick six, which has worked out fabby for them because he is was the top or second graded person, you know, on everyone's board. Um, but they ended up getting four second round picks, um, all to help the defense. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, three for the defense and a guard as well. So they picked up a guard, uh, Braden Smith. They then got Darius Leonard at linebacker to. Uh, 
Kimoko Turi on edge and Taekwon Lewis at defensive end. Um, their defense is needing a lot of pieces. Um, and well, obviously we, we all knew that the O line needed to help anyway to protect Luck. So, um, the fact they ended up with uh, four second rounders by moving around and picking up extra picks from other teams and stuff has worked out great for them. And a wee flyer as well in the fourth round, they picked up this Naeem Hines. Uh, as a running back, um, which they, they're obviously needing somebody, and, and and there's a few people that are saying he's sneaky better than a lot of people have given him credit for. So I think it, it could it could turn out to be total egg in my face a few years from now. But but now I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with the Colts. I'm going to say from what from where they needed to go and what they've picked, this could be a really good draft class for them. Yeah, I think the the Colts definitely had to. <clears throat> Had to have a strong draft, so um, and I think you're right. You know what they they had a lot of picks, so they've hopefully picked up a lot of good talent. Um, I think I mentioned last time Andrew Luck. I think he deserves, you know, a bit a chance, a chance to to see how far he can go. And the fact that you know that team was so depleted all over the field. Um, hopefully, they've made some of these these decisions that will will help him go to where he should go. In my opinion. So yeah, I like that, Steve. I like that. Um, so who was your winner, Gav? I actually really liked what the Green Bay Packers done. Um, I think they, they, um, their first two picks, they picked up the two cornerbacks, which has definitely been their weakest point. Um, they picked up Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, I think it was. Um, and both those guys are... Are really good cornerbacks, both. Uh, well, obviously, Alexander did go in the first round, but Jackson was also expected to go in the first round, just a little bit later. Um, so for those guys to pick up, um, you know, th- those two players, I think, was really good. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers can get you almost anything. Just when you watched back the Green Bay Packers, their problem was their secondary was just so bad. I mean, like, so, so bad. Um, like, how many games did they have to... I think... Um, they, their even their playoff game against the Cowboys was it? Where it was like thirty five, thirty two, or whatever, just craziness that they, you know, that in a playoff game that was the score. Um, so yeah, I think they had a really good draft, and they they always seem to do pretty well with these sort of later round wide receivers. They picked up a guy called Jamon Moore, who a lot of people have said he's really raw. Um. Had he been a bit more polished, he would be a, a first-round talent, or a late first-round talent, sorry. Um, so yeah, that that could potentially replace Jordan Nelson over time. They picked up a couple of pieces in the defensive line, so yeah, I think the Packers had a good draft, and, and as I mentioned, whenever you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've always got a chance. They also picked up that, is it Equiminius St. Brown, or I don't know exactly how he pronounces his yeah. name, but he fell all the way to the sixth round, yeah, where yeah. Uh, a lot of, I mean, I'd seen drafts that had him going in the second round of teams, so he kind of fell a bit too. Um, so if he if he comes in as one of these players that because he's fallen so much, he's got a bit of a chip in his shoulder and he, he really digs in and practice and turns out good, then that's going to be another massively great value pick for them as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and he's also got a fantastic first name, which is um... <laughs> plus ten points in Gavland. Yeah, exactly. Um he would be a first round talent just based on his name. Um <laughs> yeah. I don't know I don't know if that comes into it when uh, scouts are doing their evaluating, but for me I would go on name and how ridiculous it sounds. First name or for or surname. So because uh, it's the surname that goes in the shirt. You can sell more shirts if you got a crazy name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I just like that, you know, it's not just Equinemonious Brown, it's Equinemonious Saint Brown. So I just like that. He's the Saints and the Browns, and he's Equinemonious, whatever that means. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, I liked him. I liked him and his silly name. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. So. Uh, Cardinals, Colts and Packers uh, is the three winners um, in our opinion so um, one thing we will just touch on is obviously our last episode was a mock draft Um, we decided that we would mark our scores Uh, so we each had 11 picks Um, we've given ourselves one point if they went to the right team and one point if they were taking at the pick that we said they were so Gav had one 
at the right team at the right pick and another went to the right team at a different pick. I was exactly the same. Steve had two who both went to the correct team at the correct pick. So Steve was our inaugural mock draft champion. And Gav is fuming. <laughs> I'm going to leave the chat again. <laughs> well, at least I got to win something because when it gets to fantasy season, so yeah, well done, Steve. You... <laughs> what, Hashtag what, um, in the know. In the know. Um, <laughs> just for the listeners' purposes, Andrew, who did we get right? Oh, you're asking me to check. I've not got that prepared. You said it. Uh, well, I got. I know, and I I've got, taken I it off my screen. Quentin Nelson, <laughs> um, going to the Colts at six, and I also. Got uh, DJ Moore going to Carolina Panthers at twenty four. Um, so that was my two. I got at the right place. So Gav, you had Sony. So Gav, yeah, you had Sony Michelle uh, going to the Patriots at thirty one, which is where he went. You also had Harold Landry going to the Titans uh, at twenty five. Now he went to the Titans in round two, so you got a point there. Um, and for me, it was um. So, Quan Barkley at pick two going to the Giants. Uh, and then I had uh, Dallas Godiart going to the Eagles at the bottom of round one. Uh, but he obviously went to the Eagles in round two. Um, so, that was where I got my extra point. Sorry, who went to the Eagles? Uh, Dallas Godiart. Or Dallas Goidert. Dallas Goidert. Dallas Goidert. Yes. Um, do you know what? I think considering how ridiculous the draft ended up actually being with Mayfield going at one and then the fact that that changed everything, for us to have decided prior to, you know, a week before the draft, right, we'll pick it based on the on the teams that are in that order. For us between us to get what we got right, albeit maybe not always at the right position, I think that's not a bad effort actually. Well, so yeah, it's it all right. Six out of 32, right? Is that right? Six out of yeah. 33. Six yeah. out of 33, yeah. That's, that's not 33, yeah. That's not too bad when you consider we can't factor in trades, we can't factor in Mayfield going at one. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's a pretty good going. So, and with that, I think we've reached the end of episode five. So, uh, Steve, you got anything to say before we go? Um, just thanks again for everyone who listens and uh, who interacts with us on the Twitter. Um, I want to thank Army Freshman again, as I always do, um, just for letting us borrow their music to, for the show and for Fair City Podcast for hosting us. Um, I also want to thank everyone who is on our Twitter feed in advance because I am about to personally email you all yet again saying, please, please, please listen to us. So if you have, thanks very much. <laughs> Brilliant. So we look forward to our following numbers decreasing as we spam them again. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, you anything to say before we go? Uh, well, I, obviously, I, I want to apologise to all the women that I offended at the start of the programme with my, my Dennis Geis um, <laughs> comments. Obviously, please take those in jest and don't report us. Um, <laughs> Where's the Twitter getting shut down? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm Gav, king of Twitter. My other account got shut down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I I think that um, we should be delighted that we're still going in episode five. Um, and I'm going to end on one thing that I thought was amazing: the New Orleans Saints seventh over, uh, sorry, seventh round pick. The guy's name was Will Clap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I never mentioned that one. <laughs> just, oh, just when I seen that, I was like, "Well, clap <laughs> or won't he?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." So you can take it in the literal sense like that, just a yeah. <laughs> and I really hope. Or do you mean the other type of clap? Or does that get us in a whole ball game? We don't want to go anywhere near. Let's not. When I've already offended women, let's not get into sexually transmitted diseases as well. <laughs> It's not going to end up well for us. Um, I think we always tend to do this, getting a hole at the end of a podcast. Um, but yeah, the one thing you don't know how, like, um, you get these like uh, chants. I just hope that um, for Will Clap, they do that slow clap. That would be amazing if the whole stadium done a slow clap for Will Clap. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Oh, brilliant. 
And on that note, we now have reached the end of episode five. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. We look forward to speaking with you on Twitter. You can find us at the AFCast. Um, please hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, uh, we really do enjoy interacting with, with whoever listens to us. Um, so, yeah, once again, thank you very much. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you next time. 